Inside Property Investing, episode 120. Welcome to the Inside Property Investing Podcast, where we dive inside the stories of the most successful and inspiring property entrepreneurs to share their successes, failures, and strategies, and help you plan your path towards financial freedom. Now let's get started with your host, Mike Stenhouse. We've tried a lot of property management software over the years, and Arthur Online is the one we settled on to run not just our own portfolio, but our entire letting agency portfolio as well. Why not see what all the fuss is about with a two-month free trial? Just sign up at insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash Arthur and use promotion code IPI. Here at Inside Property Investing, we love audio which is why we've teamed up with Audible to give you a 30-day free trial of their audiobook library. Visit insidepropertyinvesting.com book to start your free trial now. And if you cancel within the first 30 days, it won't cost you a penny. That's insidepropertyinvesting.com book to start your 30-day free trial. Hey, Property Insiders. I hope you all had a fantastic bank holiday weekend and didn't work too hard. As it's the end of the month, I wanted to get back into the habit of doing a monthly update to share some of my thoughts on the current property market and to let you know what I'm working on and planning for the future. I was invited to sit on a panel at a local property event in Manchester last week and I'd just come back from my own stag weekend. I had my arm in a sling, so wasn't thrilled about making the journey into town, but with a title for the event like the death of HMOs, I couldn't really resist. Unfortunately though it felt a little like the title was drafted to create hype and sell tickets and the content didn't really discuss the matter. But I had a lot of questions from investors and inspiring investors before and after the event so I thought I'd take the title of that event and run with it for this month's update. Questions like are HMOs still a good investment, how can I keep my rooms full and is there a glut in the supply of HMOs have been floating around for a few months now. I want to address some of these questions here. Before I jump fully into that though, let me share a little about two related topics from my own perspective. My letting agency has just handed back a significant proportion of the HMO properties that we manage. Part of the reason for this was that I was assessing where my time was being spent and I came to the conclusion that it wasn't really a valuable use of my time to spend 40 hours a week managing other people's portfolios and only be left with a few hours a week to focus on growing my own. Long term, I know that my earning potential from my own investments is so massive compared to the income I could generate from running a letting agency that it was actually a fairly obvious decision to make once I'd thought it through. The other part of the reason is that, quite simply, I got fed up looking after poorly renovated properties, making excuses for landlords who didn't want to or couldn't afford to maintain them, and being stuck as a barrier between frustrated tenants and these distant landlords. I fully appreciate that that is part of the job description of being a letting agent, but I implore all of you to take a look at how you're currently spending your time, and if it's not doing something that you absolutely love and that you spring out of bed for every day, dedicate some long, hard thinking time to how you can improve your current circumstances. There are many people out there who thrive at being a letting agent and make an absolute killing from the businesses that they've built. So I'm not having a go at the industry or the people who work in it but it just wasn't for me, and if I can't see myself there in five years, why waste another second of my time working on it? On the flip side though, 
Handing back the properties has freed up so much of my time to work on what I do love. Property investing, property development, and obviously this podcast as well. I've got such a renewed passion for it all and so many exciting projects in front of me that I wish I'd made this realization sooner. There's a book on HMO investing on the cards, a really fun and exciting project with young property investors coming very soon, and I can spend more time with my little mastermind group who I absolutely love and who've helped me through the past few months with some great advice. I might even look at growing that slightly in the coming months, but the main thing is that I've got more time for the property renovations I'm currently working on. So getting back to the main subject of this show, is it time to move on from HMOs? Are they a dying investment strategy? If it puts you at ease at all, we're still actively working on HMO projects. I'm finally very close to getting planning permission on our biggest project so far, the 11 bedroom HMO I've been harping on about for what feels like decades. I'm also working on a more typical five bedroom HMO and actively looking for probably two, maybe three more to do this year. So why am I so negative about the market yet still actively investing in it? The recent revelations I had about the letting agency opened my eyes to how short term some investors are thinking. Poor renovations, cramming in bedrooms and buying in dodgy areas are all signs of desperation in my eyes, trying to make a deal stack up that in reality never will. You might be able to fudge the numbers to make it look like a deal, but the risk is the market won't ever be there when you finish your product. This swell of HMO conversions coming available will lead to a mid-term change in the market where room prices, which have increased rapidly over the past 12 to 18 months, will start to come back down as all of these new properties hit the market. Prices for half-decent properties will plateau and unfortunately for the investors with a short-term approach, their returns will really start to suffer. The question then becomes, what do you do with a house that no longer resembles a family home but which sharers don't want to live in. Financially, the outcome doesn't look good whichever way you approach it. So long term then, my personal opinion is that only the very best HMOs will be viable and will survive. HMO investing isn't a new concept. They've been around for decades, if not centuries, in some form or other, and they'll continue to be around long into the future, as the demand for this type of housing will 100% remain. The problem we're facing at the moment though is the market is being flooded by investors and landlords who are drawn in purely by the top line figures and headlines touted by training courses that make you think you can retire on one deal. Whilst the potential returns are phenomenal and it is possible to make several thousand pounds on a single deal, this does not mean you can buy any two bedroom terrace in the arse end of nowhere turn every inch of living space into a bedroom at the expense of bathrooms, lounges, kitchen space and so on, splash a bit of mustard and grey around the place and expect to be an overnight millionaire. The returns are so high compared to normal buy-to-let investments for some very important reasons. The product needs to be of a much higher standard than single-family homes, both in terms of the regulations and safety requirements and the quality of the end product and this requires additional capital investment up front. Investors who think you can create a boutique HMO on a budget will be in for a shock. The management of an HMO is also much more time consuming and complicated than the management of a single let. Yes, your tenants are under a single roof 
rather than spread across a town or a city. But this adds all sorts of emotional and relationship problems to contend with, as well as much higher levels of wear and tear. You also have significantly higher recurring costs than with single lets, including higher finance costs, utility bills and council tax and so on. I've written an entire post on InsidePropertyInvesting.com giving a full explanation and breakdown of all of these recurring costs and how much they really cost on a live HMO in case you're interested in that side of things. Now, for the record, whilst that earlier comment about mustard colour schemes is a direct reference to Julian Maurice, it's in no way intended to be a dig at him. He does some phenomenal stuff with interior design and we apply a lot of his advice and tactics in our own portfolio and those we project manage for other investors. But the final dressing of a property is only one tiny part in the much wider picture of developing a successful HMO. His skills have been able to save more than a few badly thought out projects, but as the market evolves and matures, savvy tenants will be able to see beyond a pleasing colour scheme and the properties without the good fundamentals in place will suffer rapidly. Now I'm focusing a lot on the negative here, so let me flip it on its head and look at what does make a good HMO that will be sustainable long into the future. And by sustainable, I mean one that continues to have strong demand for rooms, even when half of the houses on the street have been converted into HMOs. One where tenants are not just content to live there, but actually happy to call it home, and where the rents won't be eroded by an increase in competition. Ultimately, I think that last point is one of the key signs of any successful business in any industry, where you set the price because you've created a unique product that's in high demand, rather than the market dictating the price to you because all you have to offer is another cookie cutter replica of a commodity product. And the good news is, it's still possible to have that high demand for your HMO if you do it in the right way. Now there are loads of things you can do to ensure long-term continued success if you decide to go into the HMO market. But let me cover some of what I think are the most important factors that will help you to stand out. Now it wouldn't be fair to start with anything other than the age-old property cliche. Location, location, location. I see too many aspiring investors throw their cash at property with the only reason for their decision being that the house is cheap. The minute you make a decision to purchase an HMO that's primarily based on where you can afford to buy or where it's cheap to buy is the minute that you lose in this game. Regardless of whether you're aiming for professionals, students or LHA tenants, you need to ensure certain facilities are in close proximity to your property. Some combination of excellent public transport links, restaurants, bars and supermarkets, large employers, car parking, universities and so on will be on the checklist of prospective tenants and you want to hit as many of these as possible. I'm not saying a crap house in a great location is okay, but it's a hell of a lot better than spending all of your money creating an HMO palace where there's zero demand. I've even had people approach me to manage their properties in the middle of some of the worst council estates in Manchester. Needless to say, we politely declined, but it just goes to show the mentality of some people investing. In a lot of cases, they had no idea how bad these council estates were. They were sold properties by apparent sorcerers and project management companies, and ultimately, they've ended up with a really bad investment on their hands. 
The next fundamental issue you need to get right is the quality of finish in your houses. Now I alluded to this earlier, but it's worth repeating. Transforming a residential house into an HMO is not a cheap job. Change from 40 grand would be minimal on a fairly standard refurbishment that we carry out. Now granted, we typically do a full rewire, new central heating system, a full reskim, and so on. But even if you buy a house in a reasonable condition, requirements for HMOs like interlinked smoke detectors in all the bedrooms, fire doors, and additional bathrooms can quickly make a small budget feel pretty inadequate. It's not a cheap investment strategy to pursue, and aside from the legal requirements to make sure the safety and well-being of your tenants is thought about, you also need to ensure the rest of the house really sparkles. You can cut corners by doing things like painting over wallpaper, leaving existing tiles in the bathroom, and not replacing the kitchen units, but in all honesty, tenants see right through these, and whilst freshly painted textured wallpaper might look okay during the first viewings, within a few months a badly refurbed house will look so tired that the second round of tenants will be really hard to find. As well as it not being a cheap investment strategy to get involved in, it's also not a short term one. Think about how your property is going to look six months, two years, or even five years down the line. You'll be kicking yourself that you didn't go to the effort of replacing that kitchen when the 15 year old one you left in starts falling apart and you need to find some way of installing a new one with six people living there at the same time. Do it once, do it right, and your tenants will be much happier and your life will be much easier. Added extras are really becoming commonplace in HMOs now as well, so staying ahead of the game requires some creative thinking. Regular cleaners and fiber optic broadband are seen as basic expectations now rather than added extras. Media subscriptions like Netflix and Sky Sports are great added extras, but even they're becoming very common. I've seen houses that offer inclusive gym memberships, weekly beer and wine deliveries, and bespoke discount cards offering exclusive benefits to the housemates. This is a customer service business at the end of the day, and we really need to keep pushing the boundaries of what we offer our customers in order to continue to stand out. I'd love to hear about any ideas you have or things that you've implemented in your own HMOs to give that little bit extra to your tenants. Let me know on Facebook or in the comments on the show notes page for this episode. Now the final thing I want to mention about making your HMO success is the ongoing management of the property. This comes down to you, your agent if you choose to use one, and the contractors you use to resolve any issues that come up. If any of these three people mess up, the whole thing comes crumbling down around you. Let's start with you. If you're too cheap to fix a broken toilet seat or a leaking roof as soon as it's reported, you might want to reconsider this strategy. There's a common misconception that managing five tenants in an HMO is easier than managing five individual houses. And whilst there are definite economies from having all of your tenants under one roof, negative thoughts and perceptions can spread so quickly in these houses that even the smallest issue left unattended can result in serious unhappiness amongst your tenants and ultimately several people giving notice at once. Similarly, if you use an agent who doesn't really understand the intricacies of HMO management, this can lead you to a world of trouble. They need to keep you right, not only through the legal minefield of HMOs, but also on the human relationship side of so many people living under one roof. That in itself takes a special set of skills, 
So before you put your biggest investment into the hands of one of the plethora of agents jumping on the HMO management bandwagon, make sure they actually have some idea of what they're doing. Events like pin meetings are a great place to find specialist HMO property managers rather than heading down to your local high street agent. So they're by far and away the main items I think you need to take care of to ensure success in your HMO investing rather than becoming another statistic in 12 months when the bottom falls out of the market due to an excess of mediocre properties. Buy properties in good locations, spend the money it needs to really make it a beautiful property. Think about what else you can add to the offering that your target tenants will value and will help you stand out and make sure they're managed like an upmarket hotel. Take care of those details and it won't matter how many people flock into the market of average HMOs. Your unique offering will stand head and shoulders above the competition, if you can even class it as competition. As the old saying goes, HMOs are dead, long live HMOs. Now hopefully that wasn't too much of a rant, and with only a little bit of thought, you can apply the principles to any investing strategy. Markets are getting tougher, more investors are entering the market, so what are you going to do to make your property stand out? Whether you're doing auction flips or high-end developments, complacency is a killer and we need to keep innovating and pushing the boundaries to stay ahead and to stay on top of our game, whatever that game may be. Have an awesome month and let me know what you're doing to set yourself apart from the crowd. I'd love to get you on the podcast to hear more about it. We all have our own way of setting goals, whether it's to replace an income, improve your lifestyle or help out friends and family. But there's a proven method that we use to arrive at specific financial goals that make sense to us. To get our free guide to help you understand exactly what your goals should be, visit InsidePropertyInvesting.com slash goals.